So these American companies that were adversely affected by China's vitamin C cartel filed an antitrust case, and the jury in Brooklyn found that there was clear evidence of Chinese companies forming cartels, fixing prices, and controlling supply to the United States. That's its playbook. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Welcome to the Code Red podcast. I'm Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now. We are privileged to have with us today Rosemary Gibson. Rosemary is an expert on health care issues and an author. Recently, I read her important book, China Rx about our nation's dependence on communist China for our health care needs, especially medication. Rosemary, welcome to the podcast. And can we begin our conversation by learning a bit about your background and why you wrote China Rx? Uh, Alan, it's great to be with you today. I wrote uh, China Rx because I stumbled on this untold story that hardly anyone knew about. And I thought it was a story that it needed to be told for all of us, our health security, national security, and the, our survivability in a global pandemic. And China RX really has exposed this vulnerability. In fact, on page three, I went back to look at this last night, Alan. It said, I wrote back then, that in the event of a natural disaster or a global pandemic, if China shuts the door on medicines, the United States will be standing in line with other countries for critical medicines that we need to care for our population. And that's what's happening. And that was in 2018. You know, I when I read the book, and I do a great deal of reading on foreign affairs, I was quite frankly shocked by the information that you had in the book. Can you start this conversation by describing the part of the book, the story in the book, about this doctor who gets ill and the heparin that he takes? Uh, Yes. Uh, You know, as with any book, it helps to uh, tell a story of how this is real for uh, the American people. And so while researching China RX, which by the way took three years to do and then a year and a half to write it and find a publisher, I also in that process found a story that is really quite compelling. It's about a Johns Hopkins trained physician who walked into a very prominent hospital late one night. Uh, He went to the emergency room. He knew he had a stomach ulcer and it was painful, so it was time to get it checked out. And they said, well, why don't you stay in overnight? We'll scope you in the morning, you know, take a look inside endoscopy, and uh, you can go home the next morning and have your family, which was with him as young kids, go home tonight, and they, you're, they can come back and pick you up tomorrow. So this is a gentleman who was a 45-year-old fellow who was healthy and had a thriving medical practice in his community. <clears throat> so early the next morning, he got uh, several doses of a very widely used blood thinner called heparin. And around 11 o'clock in the morning, after getting two large doses, he went into complete heart failure. His other organs began to fail. 
The doctors had no idea what was going on. The following week, his heart was removed because it was so badly damaged. And he was tethered to a machine to stay alive. The machine was the size of a washing machine and with a three-foot cord. A couple months later, <clears throat> there was a heart kidney transplant attempted. And your readers can find out uh, what happened to this uh, very fine physician and his family. It turns out the cause of this was contaminated blood center that came from China. It was a deliberately executed act for economic reasons. The authentic product cost too much. It was in short supply. It comes from pigs. And so they came up with a fake substitute that so closely mimicked the real product that it passed under the radar of testing that was usually done at the time. And it was so sophisticated and deliberate, the Chinese government gave it a patent for this fake substitute. And it turns out in higher doses, it was lethal. And hundreds of Americans died. In fact, we don't even know how many died because to show cause and effect is enormously challenging. And that's the danger of relying on other countries, especially countries that are uh, taking hostile actions in the world, to rely on them for critical drugs because they can turn them into a weapon. As I said in my testimony to the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission, our medicines can be weaponized. They can be withheld, sold without any ingredient, key ingredient in them, have contamination, or have no ingredient at all. And by the time you trace it and track it down, it's too late. And we're so dependent on China that if we, again, it shuts the door, we don't have many alternatives. So this is a question of our survivability. You talk about that the United States used to manufacture, or companies used to manufacture in the United States, the medications that were used by Americans as late as the 1990s. How did this shift take place, where China became, I think you said 90% of the generic drugs are being produced out of China? Yeah, this is really important to clarify. China Rx focuses on generic drugs. They're the medicines that most of us take. Generics are 90% of the prescriptions we get. We're not talking here about the patented drugs, the new drugs. And China controls the chemicals to make the key ingredients in them. And that's because they have a lot of chemists and Chinese government invested heavily in infrastructure, in manufacturing facilities. You know, if you're a company in China, land you don't buy and sell. It's allocated by the government. Your capital expenditures are subsidized by the government. And so it's very hard for American companies to compete. But it's very important to, and this was a, one of many eye-openers while writing China Rx. Let's take the example of penicillin. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the New York area. The last penicillin plant in the U.S. was in Syracuse, New York, and announced it was closing in 2004. So that made the New York Times, but 
No one did the backstory on why it was closing. And China RX revealed why it closed. And it's using data from multiple sources, from industry, in fact, from Europe. I have a bar graph that shows how a handful of Chinese companies dumped penicillin material on the global market at below market prices, kept those prices low for four years, and drove out their competitors. That's what caused the last penicillin plant to close. And it's what caused the last vitamin C plant to close, our last aspirin plant. And then when China got rid of most of its competitors, it jacked up the price. These are illegal trade practices. These are what I call in China RX, the penicillin and vitamin C cartels. So this isn't just because China is cheaper with lower labor costs and regulations. It's a determined, deliberate strategy using illegal and legal means to drive out competitors to become the global pharmacy to the world, which is its stated goal. And if you're an American company, how do you compete with that? So people think, well, there's a free market out there. There is no free market. Reading these experiences that American companies had um, raised the question in my mind as to why didn't the government take action? Uh, why, in fact, was China not contested on these practices when the needs of America were being directly challenged in this way? That's a great question, Alan, and it's reflected in the story of the vitamin C cartel federal court case, antitrust case. So these American companies that were adversely affected by China's vitamin C cartel filed an antitrust case, and the jury in Brooklyn found that there was clear evidence of Chinese companies forming cartels, fixing prices, and controlling supply to the United States. That's its playbook. And so uh, they were slapped with a $150 million settlement, but it didn't stop there. The Chinese companies appealed, and the Chinese government weighed in in the court case, this is now the Federal Appeals Court in Manhattan. And the Chinese government said in court documents that it required its companies as a matter of Chinese law to fix prices and control supply. And so you can't expect Chinese companies to abide by Chinese law and U.S. law at the same time. So the case should be overturned. And that's exactly what the Federal Appeals Court did. There was no intervention by the U.S. Justice Department in either administration beginning in 2005, all the way up to this case, I think it was after maybe 2013 or 14. Nobody did anything to protect the American public or American businesses. And if that decision <clears throat> is allowed to stand, it would effectively permit China and any other country to form cartels and operate as cartels and selling product to the United States. And there's no possible way any American company compete with that. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that the American companies appealed to the Supreme Court with the help of Justice Department now, and the Supreme Court weighed in in a unanimous decision written by Justice Ginsburg 
court uh, said that the Federal Appeals Court gave too much credence to China's statement that it required its companies as a matter of law to fix prices. And that's because in the lower court, the companies apparently said that they uh, fixed prices voluntarily. So it was remanded back to the appeals court, and that was almost two years ago. And as far as I can tell, nothing's happened. One so, of the... so it's it's remarkable. And the other thing that's remarkable, Alan, is how come we didn't hear about this? Not only just that nobody did anything, but why did it take someone like me, a private citizen, working for three years, plus 18 months to, to write it, why did it take someone like me to expose it? No one paid me to do it. I did it because once you see it, it's so important for each of us and for our country. How did the biodefense establishment miss this, that we can't make antibiotics anymore? We can't make the antidotes to anthrax exposure. After 9-11, the U.S. government had to buy doxycycline and ciprofloxacin. And for the doxycycline, they had to get it from a European plant that had to get the starting material from a plant in China. And that still exists today, that problem. So how did they miss, miss this? How did they overlook this? If you can't make antibiotics to treat infectious disease, bacterial in nature, how did they miss it? Well, I would, my shorthand answer to that would be uh, they deliberately miss it. It wasn't, there was a mindset that globally the world's at peace as long as we're conducting economic activity and it is just mind-boggling and I thank you um, for exposing this horrendous situation. I mean, one of the, a couple of things that really were very new to me was that even though the medication is made in India um, or it's made in Ireland, the chances are that the key ingredients are coming from China. So the chain still goes back to China and they still have the opportunity to turn off the spigot. And it is just, uh, you know, it's like we have willingly put ourselves in a blackmail situation and the Chinese are response to the Wuhan virus, which I've been tracking um, uh, pretty closely. I saw where the other day or today, the Chinese government threatened Australia if it goes ahead with an investigation of how the virus started and what took place at the moment of time where China was not engaging with the world, which they still are uh, in the way that they should be. And they're being extremely aggressive. Uh, that, that's exactly right. Um, and it, it's really uh, quite remarkable, and I'll, I'll go even further. Um, Look at the testing kits that China sent to the United States, a million of them. And they are, uh, they are giving false readings. Look at the supposedly sterile surgical gowns, nine million of them. 
that were ready to go to American operating rooms and hospitals. They were contaminated with something. Uh, look at the masks that were made by an American company with a manufacturing plant in China, and China said, sorry, you can't export that. The ships had to turn around and they had to bring them back to China. You know, in a global pandemic, you've got 70 countries that have banned exports. People are going to take care of their own. And we don't have that self-sufficiency as we should. And yes, China has also threatened the United States to withhold medicine and throw the Americans in an ocean of coronavirus. That was reported in the state news agency. So those threats are real. And meanwhile, we have special interests in Washington that want to maintain the status quo and, in fact, allow us to become even more dependent on China, a country that's threatened to kill us by withholding critical medicine. And that's a brazen threat, unequivocal. I, I saw a news report, I didn't, I didn't see the video, where supposedly on Sunday, Bill Gates was praising China in, on the Wuhan virus response and criticizing the United States, uh, which to me is not a particular eye-opener, but it's, uh, it's an interesting point, which I think backs up what you've been saying. One of the things that you talk about in the book that you educate the reader of the book is how the powers and the role that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, ceases or ceased to play when companies, whether it was food companies, toy companies, or, or pharmaceutical companies, went uh, and set up uh, manufacturing operations in China that there was a deliberate uh, order or a way of operating where, in fact, uh, there, was no, uh, there was no oversight from the American agency or agencies that should have been overseeing the quality of these uh, items. How did that come about? Well, you're right, Alan. Another shockeroo. I found while researching China RX was we saw a ramp up of outsourcing medicine making to China after we opened up free trade with China in 2000. Congress and the White House agreed with the U.S.-China Trade Relations Act, which reduced tariffs on Chinese goods coming into the U.S. And we began to see more and more medicine products coming from there. And there was no regulation. The FDA didn't have the resources nor the authority to go inspect in foreign countries. And fast forward to 2007 and eight, people remember when you had the uh, contaminated pet food that killed thousands of dogs and cats here. And also there was melamine and infant formula in China. And this was the, exactly around the same time that companies were outsourcing to a completely unregulated country. And in 2007, the counterpart to the FDA in China, the head of it was executed for taking bribes. This is the environment in which companies outsourced production. It's shocking. Globalization has been a de facto form of deregulation. And after the 
the heparin contamination affected you know, the, the gentleman uh, who I talked about at the beginning, Johns Hopkins trained physician. I mean, that they couldn't hide. There were hundreds of deaths you know, reported to the FDA. I do think there were a lot more. They couldn't hide it, and then that triggered hearings and the usual, you know, Washington talk. And finally, in 2012, new law was passed that gave the FDA resources to inspect plants in China and other countries. And looking back on that, I think that was just a means by which, uh, you know, the interest could say, well, our drugs are made in China, but they're inspected in a FDA, they're in an FDA inspected facility. And the reality is that an FDA inspection in China is not like an inspection here. They're announced in advance because inspectors need visas to get into China. And for many years, the FDA was withholding visas for FDA employees to go work there. And who wants to be the federal employee, the FDA inspector that says, I'm going to you know, hold, um, give a bad report because your inspection process, which is very, very thorough, and it needs to be. These are medicines you take for life and death, and everything has to be as it should. Everything has to be exacting. You know, if you, you know, say this inspection, this plant doesn't meet our good manufacturing practices, GMP, then you think China will ever want to give you a visa to go back and do more inspections and find problems? And bear in mind right now, the FDA has withdrawn all of its inspectors from China and other countries. And there's nobody testing our drugs. And the FDA doesn't do the testing. Uh, right nearby you in New York, in Connecticut, there's a startup online pharmacy that began testing every batch before it sells generic drugs. And they found that more than 10% of what they tested doesn't meet standard. We're talking about some really serious problems. Do you feel that with the American people, and there was a recent poll, a nationwide poll, a thousand likely voters of Americans, that answered a series of questions about attitudes toward China and future relations with China on an economic sphere. And there was substantial uh, support that over 70% of Americans actually feel that we need to bring home this, I think it was over 75 actually, in this particular instance of medical and, uh, and, and other resources that we need that they should be made in America. And, um, and there have been enough stories with countries, not just the United States, but in the United States and beyond, like Italy, um, actually got gifts, and I put that in quotation marks, gifts from China, whether it was respirators or testing kits, etc., that also didn't work or gave false, um, gave false readings. And the American people have obviously heard enough, seen enough, and unlike Bill Gates, they don't think that China has been helpful and that they're willing to move forward. Are you familiar with any of the legislation that has been 
introduced, I know Congressman Gallagher and I believe Cruz and Rubio about on specifically on the medical side of things of bringing uh, production back to the United States and whether you think those things, if you if you are familiar, I'd be interested to to hear if you think they're going in the right direction. But secondly, uh, what is it that we can do uh, to become self-sufficient in in the area of producing the medications that we need and use at affordable costs here in this country? Alan, there, as you mentioned, there are uh, bills being worked on in Congress. Uh, you mentioned uh, Senator Cotton. He has a, a bill that would say within five years we should not have any medicine supply chain at all in China. That's aspirational, uh, but it's drawing a line in the sand, which I think we need to for our national security. Uh, Senator Rubio has a bill, and uh, that would... Um, have more of a Buy American provision in it, especially for the Department of Defense and VA. You know, who wants our taxpayer dollars going to build generic plants and buy generic drugs in China when we should our generic manufacturing here is basically collapsing? And in the House side, uh, Congressman Garamendi from California and Vicki Hartzler from Missouri have introduced a bill that would you know, address incentives for the Department of Defense to um, purchase medicines made in America. Uh, but uh, there's a long way to go, and there's a Buy American executive order that's been drafted and under review, and there's just an article in the Washington Post today saying it doesn't have 100% support by um, people in Washington. And then again, in the Wall Street Journal, same day, an op-ed by a former, I think he was the former National Security Council head, He's talk, he and a colleague wrote a piece saying we've got to reduce our dependence on China for medicine. So there's a lot of talk, but we need action. And I, I think this is a common sense issue, kitchen table issue for the American people, that it makes no sense. And the latest poll I saw, this was done years ago, you know, 96% of Americans do not trust medicines made in China. I mean, look at the, this personal protective gear coming in. How do you know it's really protecting healthcare workers? Those N95 masks went to Canada, a million of them. They weren't working properly. In France, there's videos of French healthcare workers opening up packages of gowns from China, and they, they, they're shreds. And there's no apology. And one of the things I wrote about in China RX is the attitude of the Chinese, explained to me by someone who does a lot of business there. He said the attitude is the reason our products are so cheap is because we accept no liability for them. And these are these are not T-shirts. These are things that are essential for life. Yeah. Well, we agree with you. And what I mean by me, I mean, we have 4 million people who have signed up to Secure America Now for information as well as we activate people when it comes to legislation. We have an ongoing campaign on making America self-sufficient when it comes to producing medication. 
and we will continue that and we will back various pieces of legislation which will help uh, gain support in Washington. We've, we've been successful in the past. I want to thank you. Um, number one, I'll say it again, for writing this book. And, um, and I urge everyone and in the promotions that we're going to do throughout social media, uh, uh, promoting this particular podcast, we will also promote the book. And I really think it's important for people to get a better knowledge, not just instinct, which I agree with you, instinctively Americans are extremely suspicious of medications made in China. And um, and we will continue this campaign. We are a tenacious group. And, and this has been extremely helpful. And I, I really do thank you for writing the book and for participating in the Well, Alan, thank you. And one thing your listeners can do, and maybe part of the campaign, is to email the White House saying mm-hmm. you want this bu- you want the, this by American executive order to be signed by the president. Yep. And this by American executive order for medicines and su- medical supplies is uh, for our military, the DOD, to get it started. We're not going to make it all here. This is just to get it started. That would be a, an actionable step by your uh, followers. Simple to do. People are at home. Go to the whitehouse.gov website. Send an email and say, we want to see the Buy American Executive Order signed by the president. So we're no longer, de- so we can stop our dependence on China for medicine. And also, if people can read China Rx, we donate proceeds to good causes to share it with family and friends, get it from your library, it's online on Amazon, and people can follow me on Twitter, Alan at Rosemary100 for latest updates. And together we can make a difference. I agree with you completely. I think your recommendations are superb. We will follow up on each and every one of them. And I also invite you to, if you ever have more to say on this subject, and I know I can go on for a very long time here, but um, if there is other information or other initiatives that you'd like to share with people, you can email me, you can come back on a podcast, but again, I thank you very much. You're doing a huge public service. Thank you. It's It's an honor to do it, and thank you, Alan, for having me today. We'll be back again, I'm sure. Very good. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Stay well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube.